0: This is the Bible Book Club, and we're in the book of Joshua. Welcome Welcome to the club.
1: Well, last episode was an exciting one because it was all about conquering Canaan. A southern alliance of Canaanite cities formed and tried to take Gibeon back, but Joshua was faithful. He learned his lessons and then God was powerful. He brought a hailstorm, killed more Canaanites than the Israelites even killed, but then God stopped the sun so that Israel had more time to pursue the fleeing army and also so that he could show his God was more powerful than their gods and Joshua continued south conquering even more territory and then the northern territory organized formed a formidable alliance with chariots and horses and it was reminiscent of what happened to the israelites in egypt but god again joshua courageously prevailed and god gave the israelites victory
0: so in this episode joshua provides a complete list of the king's territories and peoples who were defeated during the promised land evasion oh thank you joshua for the complete list (laughs) Heather's going to hate me after this one. The list begins with the Transjordan land on the east side, conquered under Moses's leadership. Listing the conquest was not just a biblical thing. Most kings in the ancient Near East did the same. So this is not abnormal to have like lots of lists.
1: Well, and if you know, on the Bible Book Club, we do read every word of the Bible because every word of the Bible is God-breathed. But if you weren't with us in past seasons, we have before four red uh, genealogies, where we just sped up the words so that you didn't have to endure this, and, and maybe we can do that this time, so that you don't have to endure my poor pronunciations of all of these. Oh kings. no, you're no, going to you're going to no, do great. No. <laughs> All
0: right, starting in chapter 12, the list of defeated kings.
1: These are the kings of the land whom the Israelites had defeated and whose territory they took over east of the Jordan. From the Arnon Gorge to Mount Hermon, including all the eastern side of Arba, Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, he ruled from Arir in the rim of the Arnon Gorge. Gorge from the middle of the gorge to the Jabbok River, which is the border of the Ammonites. This included half of Gilead. He also ruled over the eastern Arba from the Sea of Galilee to the Sea of Arba, that is the Dead Sea, to Beth-Jismoth, and then southward below the slopes of Pisgah, and the territory of Og, king of Bashan, one of the last of the Raphaites who reigned in Astarah and Idri. He ruled over Mount Hermon, Salka, all of Bashan, to the border of the people of Geshur and Makkah, and half of Gilead, to the border of Sihon, king of Heshbon. Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the Israelites conquered them. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave their land to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh to be their possession. This
0: summary that Heather just read of the land that Moses conquered for Israel on the east side of the Jordan serves as a connection and a transition to the next list of land that Joshua conquered on the west side of the Jordan.
1: Verse 7, here is a list of the kings of the land that Joshua and the Israelites conquered on on the west side of the Jordan, from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon to Mount Halak, which rises towards Seir. Joshua gave their lands as an inheritance to the tribes of Israel according to their tribal divisions. The lands included the hill country, the western foothills, the Arba, the mountain slopes, the wilderness, and the Negev. These were the lands of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and and Jebusites, these were the kings, the king of Jericho, the king of Ai, near Bethel, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, the king of Gezer, the king of Debir, the king of Geder, the king of Horma, the king of Arad, the king of Libna, the king of Adullam, the king of Malchúngadah, the king of Bethel. The king of Tappa, the king of Hephber, the king of Afpec, the king of Lashron, the king of Madon, the king of Hazor, the king of Shimron Moron, the king of Akshaph, the king of Ta'anak, the king of Megiddo, the king of Kadesh, the king of Jokunam in Carmel. The king of Dor in Naphtor, the king of Goyim in Gilgal, the king of Tirzah, 31 kings in all.
0: All right, do keep this in, Buck. Lots of editing going on here, but way to go. That surely was, I am so glad I don't have your
1: job. Hey, I never went to Hebrew school. I'm half Jewish, you never really went good. to Hebrew school. And
0: Buck, way to go on the coaching. <laughs> all right, finally, God's word and promise to the Israelites
1: in Deuteronomy 7 was being fulfilled, for he said this is Deuteronomy, remember. Deuteronomy 7, verse 22. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals will multiply around you but the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are all destroyed. He will give their kings into your hand and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. No one will be able to stand up against you. You will destroy them. 31
0: Kings in all, and you got them all in there. Way to go. All right. Chapter 12 draws together all the important themes of the book of Joshua, such as the unity of Moses and Joshua, who worked hand in hand to bring the people to the land and possess it. The opposition of the Canaanite kings as forces of danger to God's people. And lastly, the importance of taking possession of the land and distributing it to the tribes. This is a victorious moment for Israel and a victorious moment for God. For the Canaanites rejected God and in their idolatry were a trap for others. But God is just and he wants leaders who love justice as he reminds us in Job chapter 34.
1: If you have understanding, hear this. Listen to what I say. Can someone who hates justice govern? Will you condemn the just and mighty one? is he not the one who says to kings, you are worthless and to nobles, you are wicked, who shows no partiality to princes and does not favor the rich over the poor for are all the work of his hands? His eyes are on the ways of mortals. He sees their every step. There is no deep shadow, no utter darkness where evildoers can hide. He punishes them for their wickedness where everyone can see them because they turned from following him. They had no regard for any of his ways. They caused the cry of the poor to come before For him, so that he heard the cry of the needy. But if he remains silent, who can condemn him? If he hides his face, who can see him? yet he is over individual and nation alike to keep the godless from ruling, from laying snares for the people. This
0: gets back to, um, you know, the harem war and and God loving justice and wanting um, leaders who love justice and how he can see the heart. And the Canaanites' hearts had been hardened and they weren't being just and they they weren't um, turning towards God. And so he here justifies keeping the godless from ruling. All right. Lessons here for us, the chances are good that you are being led by someone and at the same time leading others. We all follow and we all lead. Joshua was led by both Moses and by God. At the same time, he was leading the nation of Israel. The words he heard from God, he used to lead others. The question is, is God leading you? Do you use his words to lead others? As you lead, do you love and pursue justice so that you're leading others in a way that will find favor with God. Okay, chapter 13. Seven years after they crossed the Jordan, there is still land to be taken. Joshua is now about 90 years old, but...
1: Chapter 13. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, "'You are now very old.'" and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. It sounds as
0: if Joshua may have taken a little break, and God is giving him a blatant reminder that they must get the conquest going again. The mention of his advanced age also implies that time has passed since the initial conquest, and yet the land has not been distributed, but we don't know why. In the show notes, Map 38 outlines the situation. The salmon-colored area was conquered by Joshua, and
1: the green Area is the land yet to be conquered, and there was a lot of it. Verse 2 This is the land that remains all the regions of the Philistines and Geshurites from Saihor River on the east of Egypt to the territory of Ekron on the north. All of it counted as Canaanite, though held by the five Philistine rulers in Gaza Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. The territory of the Avites on the south, all the land of the Canaanites from Ara of the Sidonians as far as Afek and the border of the Amorites, the area of Bibelos and all Lebanon to the east from Baal Gad below, Mount Hermon to Libo Hamath. As for all the inhabitants of the mountain regions from Lebanon to Mesberath, Maine, that is, all the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. Be sure to allocate this land to Israel for an inheritance as I have instructed you and divide it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and half tribe of Manasseh.
0: Although all the land hasn't been conquered, Joshua is to assign it to the tribe. The tribes will be responsible for obeying the Lord's instructions to possess the land and he will go before for them and give them success. It was time for them to demonstrate their faith by claiming their inheritance and actually trying to live on it. So division of the land east of the Jordan. This is the land that was distributed under Moses when Israel defeated the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan. The tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh requested to settle there and are called the Trans-Jordan tribes. Moses allowed them to settle on the wrong side of the Jordan if they would fight with the other tribes for the land on the west. Which they did. The Transjordan tribes kept their promise to fight. So he's going to kind of outline their territory.
1: Verse 8: The other half of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites, who received their inheritance that Moses had given them east of the Jordan, as he, the servant of the Lord, had assigned it to them. It extended from Erer on the rim of the Arnon Gorge and from the town in the middle of the gorge and included the whole plateau of Madaba as far as Dibon and all the towns of Sihon, king of the Amorites who ruled in Heshbon out to the border of the Ammonites. It also included Gilead, the territory of the people of Gesher, Macca, all of Mount Hermon and all Bashan as far as Salka, That is the whole kingdom of Og in Bashan who had reigned in Ashtaroth and Edrai. He was the last of the Raphaites. Moses had defeated them and taken over their land. But the Israelites did not drive out the people of Gesher and Makkah. So they continued to live among the Israelites to this day. But, but,
0: but the Israelites did not. Nope they did not drive out the people. This is our first little side note from the author telling us that there is a problem looming. And it's very convicting to me. So just confession, I am married to a man who's like super diligent. Like there is only a get it done right way. And he is does everything like to the Buy nth the degree. Book. Yeah. And to the nth degree. That's like, because he's an attorney guess I don't know, but but it's very convicting to me because I, you know, a bigger picture, moving fast, get it done, and I'm often convicted that his idea of a clean kitchen is different than mine, and so I would, I might be like these people. It's so convicting, but 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 they didn't quite get rid of everyone.
1: But so was this disobedience, or was this just dis disorganization?
0: I think it's a lack of excellence in obeying the word. You know, it's the being thorough. God was very clear. Now, I will say, I am sure that, you know, as much as they killed everyone at first, people crept back or people were hiding. I mean, you know, people can infiltrate again. Um, but they they were supposed to be diligent mm-hmm. and zealous about and the task. do the
1: harem. Exactly. And it's not just going to be this tribe. Verse 14. But to the tribe of Levi, he gave no inheritance since the food offered. Offerings presented to the Lord, the God of Israel, are their inheritance, as He promised them. This is what Moses had given to the tribe of Reuben, according to its clans, the territory of Erer, on the rim of the Arnon Gorge, and from the town in the middle of the gorge, and the whole plateau past Medaba to Heshbon and all its towns on the plateau, including Dibon, bemuth Baal, Besh bal Jaz, Kadamuth, Mepaath, Kirathame, Simba, Zereth. Shahar, on the hill in the valley, Beth Peor, the slopes of Pisgah, Beth Jisimoth, on all the towns on the plateau, and the entire realm of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon. Moses had defeated him and the Midianite chiefs, Evi, Rakem, Zur, Hor, Reba, princes allied with Sihon, who lived in that country. In addition to those slain in battle, the Israelites had put to the sword Balaam, the son of Beor, who practiced divination. The boundary of the Reubenites was the bank of the Jordan, these towns and their villages were the inheritance of the Reubenites, according to their clans. This is what Moses had given to the tribe of Gad, according to its clans, the territory of Jazer, all the towns of Gilead, and half of the Ammonite country as far as Orir, near Rabadah, and from Heshbon, Ramath, Mispah, and Betanim, and from Maname, the territory of Debir, and in the valley of Beth-Haram, beth Nimrah, Sukkah, and Zaphon, With the rest of the realm of Sihon, king of Heshbon, to the east side of the Jordan, the territory up to the end of the Sea of Galilee. These towns and their villages were the inheritance of the Gadites, according to their clans. This is what Moses had given to the half-tribe of Manasseh. That is, to the half-family of the descendants of Manasseh, according to its clans. The territory extending from Mahanaim and including all of Bashan, the entire realm of Og, king of Bashan, all the settlements of Jeer in Bashan, sixty towns, half of Gilead. The Asheroth, the Edri, the royal cities of Og in Bashan. This was for the descendants of Machir, son of Manasseh, for half of the sons of Machir, according to their clans. This is the inheritance Moses had given when he was in the plains of Moab across the Jordan east of Jericho. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord, the God of Israel, is their inheritance as he promised them. Two and a half tribes have
0: been assigned land as promised. There are nine and a half tribes to go. And Heather's going to kill me if I make her name any more (laughs) tribes. But we got to keep going. Chapter 14. This is the division of the land west of the Jordan.
1: Now, these are the areas the Israelites received as an inheritance in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar, the priest, Joshua, son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel allotted to them. Their inheritances were assigned by lot to the nine and a half tribes as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Moses had granted the two and a half tribes of their inheritance east of the Jordan, but had not granted the Levites an inheritance among the rest. For Joseph's descendants had become two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. The Levites received no share of the land, but only towns to live in, with pasture lands for their flocks and herds. So the Israelites divided the land just as the Lord had commanded Moses.
0: Okay, we've discussed this before about the 12 tribes and how the 12 tribes then become 13 tribes. that dropped down to 12 tribes. So remember. Simeon and Levi the sons of Jacob were very naughty and they revenge their sister Dinah's rape by killing this whole community and Jacob gets really upset with them and said because they were so rash um, then they would they could not be together they had to be separated and Levi then later at the golden calf thing Steps up and kind of reverses the curse in a way that's a blessing. They're not going to have their own land, but they're going to be a blessing to all the tribes
1: by being the priests. Right? By being the priests, Simeon
0: never redeems himself, and he gets placed in the middle of Judah. He doesn't really get his own land, and he kind of gets absorbed and disappears. So that that left eleven tribes because those because Levi goes away, they're going to be they're going to have no territory. And then Joseph's sons get a double portion because Joseph saves Israel. So back to our story. Eleazar, Joshua, and the heads of the clans within the tribes have a meeting and cast lots for the land because God's woken up Joshua and said, come on, get on it. You got to take possession of the land. Now you'll remember from our long journey in the wilderness that Eleazar is Aaron's son and successor as high priest. Now casting lots is this method of making decisions through a random selection that is dependent on God. It evolved using objects such as stones that were somehow marked. So in kind a, of like some dye, way. they
1: would take dye almost yes, and roll like the Yes, like a dye. dice.
0: Exactly. The stones were thrown on the ground and the outcome reflected God's will and we don't know how they read the outcome, but they had a system. Casting lots was also used by the high priest on the Day of Atonement, which we covered in Season 3, Leviticus 16, to determine the scapegoat. So it's not an unusual practice for them. The first tribe to get land is the tribe of Judah and within that tribe's land, there is Is a special allocation of land for Caleb because Caleb is that wilderness hero that we've talked about. He and Joshua are the wilderness heroes. Only Caleb, along with Joshua, had believed God's promise and begged the people not to rebel, but to trust that God would go before them in conquering those fearsome Canaanite Anakites.
1: And what tribe was Caleb again? Caleb
0: is from the tribe of Judah. So Mm -hmm. here Judah gets to go first and Judah's going to push Caleb first because he of all the Judites, should get his land first. Joshua is going to push Caleb first. No, the Judah people. They're going to, you're going to read next. The The Judah, the tribe of Judah comes forward and they, Caleb comes first to get his land because he's special. He's special. He was faithful. Um, And Moses promised him a certain section of land. Caleb has held on to that promise of land for 40 long years since the day it was promised to him. Like Joshua, he's old, but Caleb is well-preserved. Both body and mind are strong, and he is ready for his reward. So Caleb, backed by
1: his tribe, steps forward with a compelling speech for Joshua. Verse 6. Now the people of Judah approach Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, The Kenizzite said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me... Made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Okay, so remember, Kadesh Barnea is way down there in
0: the south. They were supposed to enter from the south. So this whole land that we just talked about that was taken over, that big portion of the land, is in the south. So that was the land that Joshua. Joshua and Caleb had explored. Now, who is Caleb and what was he promised? Caleb is first mentioned in Numbers 13 when he was selected as one of the 12 spies. It says, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb son of Jephunneh. The description, Caleb son of Jephunneh, occurs 15 times. But in three of those mentions, the phrase, one of the ones is the one Heather just read, the phrase is expanded to Caleb son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite. Now, the Kenizzites are descendants from Esau, the Israelites are descended of Jacob. How could Caleb be from the tribe of Judah and a Kenizzite? There are lots of thoughts on this in the commentaries. Two of them I'm going to tell you. Possibly Caleb's father or grandfather or who knows how for far great-great-grandfather had joined their cousins in Egypt. Because remember, Jacob and Esau were twins. Jacob ended up in Egypt and maybe some Kenizzites came over to Egypt because of the famine or something and joined them. We don't know. And they became part of the tribe of Judah. Or here's the other possibility. The reference to being a Kenizzite is a reference to a person from the tribe of Judah with the name Kenes, which could explain why Caleb had a brother named Kenes and a grandson grandson named Kenes. And there are lots of arguments for both of these cases, so we just don't know. Regardless of where he came from, Caleb had become a leader in the tribe of Judah. He was chosen to represent the tribe of Judah in the 12 spies expedition, and while his name Caleb literally means dog, do not picture a mangy stray. Caleb was more like a tenacious hunting dog. So tenacious that when he was faced with that fearful mob of the entire Israelite community, it says in Numbers 1330, he responded with this.
1: Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it.
0: Caleb silenced the angry mob, all of them, one against thousands. He was convinced they could take the fierce descendants of Anak with the help of the Lord. Way back then, and he is still confident he can do it 40 years later at the age of 85. As a result of Caleb's
1: commitment and courage, in Deuteronomy 1, Moses promised Caleb this. Verse 35, no one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors except Caleb son of Jacob he will see it and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly.
0: There it is again, wholeheartedly. Caleb was promised the land he had walked as a spy, the land that all of the other Israelites were too afraid to possess, the land of the fearsome Anakites, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. This one trait is what set Caleb apart from his unfaithful comrades. 45 years later, Caleb has not changed. He's Steps Up still committed, and still courageous, and reminds Joshua, his only ally among the spies still alive, of his promised inheritance. And Joshua, faithful to his old war buddy Caleb, faithful to his predecessor Moses's promise, and faithful to God, will be faithful to fulfill the promise of this land to Caleb. Continuing in chapter 14,
1: verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about, in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go into battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said." Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Japhana, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb's son of Japhana, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kirath Abba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites.
0: I think it's sweet that Joshua doesn't just give the land; he blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. And for the third time, it is mentioned why Caleb followed God wholeheartedly. God is almost throwing this comparison of Caleb and his long-dead rebellious comrades as a wilderness warning sign to us. There is a stark contrast between Caleb's wholehearted faithfulness, which resulted in life in the Promised Land, and and the Israelites' faint-of-heart faithlessness, which resulted in death in the desert. Caleb gets Hebron, and Hebron was a special place. It would have been a very important place to Joshua and to all of the Israelites, because the cave of Machbalah is the burial place of the patriarchs. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and Jacob and and Leah are all buried in this cave located in Hebron. And in the chapters to come, David will be anointed king in Hebron, and he ruled Judah from Hebron for seven years before moving his capital to Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 2. Caleb was, above all, committed. He never grew weary. He still wants to go to battle, and he never wavered. His eye was on the prize, and as long as he had
1: breath, he
0: would fight for it.
1: His tenacity reminds me of Paul who said this
0: in Philippians 3.
1: Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus.
0: Caleb most certainly pressed on toward the goal he believed in the promise he defeated the giants and he claimed the land
1: and the end of verse 15 then the land had rest from war
0: and more distribution of land will continue in the next episode where we will have just one more chance to see Caleb in action before this committed and courageous hero fades from our story
1: what's a club without friends